The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Hello and welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Once again this week, it's episode 5 of the 2020 season. We hope there will be a 2020 season, season 3 of the show. Happy to have you with us. I am the namesake. We've got lots to discuss this week. A look at the news and notes. We'll take a look at last week's poll question and our special guest today, a timely one, all things considered, Richie County head coach Rick Hot. Plus, we'll take a look at this coming week's poll question as well. In case you're new to the program, this is a podcast that airs every week. It drops on Wednesdays. You can like us on Facebook on the page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Subscribe on SoundCloud or on Apple Podcasts. Download us there every week as well. We thank you for the subscribe, the listen, the download. We appreciate your feedback and welcome it. We ask that you answer our polls, if you would, our weekly polls that go up on our Facebook page, usually Monday or Tuesday of every week. And if you have questions or comments, we'll share those on the show, and you can be part of the discussion there as well. I knew this would be a busy episode last Friday. Normally, as I release these on Wednesday, it's Monday where I really start to sit down and come up with some of the things that we're talking about on this show. But this week, it was Friday that I started to look through the news and to realize that we had a lot of things to talk about. I don't know if there's a better place to start with the fact that fall sports are now here in West Virginia. This is what we've been waiting for for a long time. You're seeing official practices now in West Virginia high school sports for the first time since March. Sure, there have been flex days and there have been conditioning efforts and weightlifting and things like that, but this is the first time that, in earnest, teams got together to have actual sanctioned practices since the start of the pandemic back in March. So it's a landmark week in West Virginia. We'll see how long it goes. Ohio is still going strong in this area. There have not been a lot of reports of COVID occurrences in the Ohio schools. Of course, they're going to start a good deal earlier and their seasons are now different. And because of that, a lot of Ohio schools are dropping games with West Virginia schools. So West Virginia schools are doing even more schedule scrambling. We went to the scheduling here in just a few minutes. But Ohio is still going strong in this area. From what we know, West Virginia is now open and up and running. And remember, it's not just football that we have to worry about as well. Volleyball teams, soccer, cross country, golf, they'll all be getting together and coming together to practice, to participate in events and competitions. Cheer, that's another one. Band, those are things that are coming together and they're trying to figure out how to do so and be socially distanced in doing so. It's a new frontier for a lot of people, but activities are back in in West Virginia as of this week. And one of the things that's come about this week is we now know how we'll know where things can happen and where things cannot. The WVSSAC has announced, and the State Board of Education have announced the metrics that are needed to approve high school sports activities on a county-by-county basis. There's a color-coded system to approve or halt in-person instruction and athletics for school systems around West Virginia. So those will be tied together. If you can have in-person class, you can have athletics. If you can't have in-person class because the COVID numbers are so high, then you're not going to be able to have the extracurriculars either. There are four phases in place based on the percentage of cases in a county per 100,000 people. That's going to have to be adjusted one way or another on a sliding ratio there. It's a metric that's confusing to a lot of people. It does require some math. It does require some thinking. As far as this goes to sports, green means athletic and extracurricular activities can permit spectators with limited tickets. It doesn't seem like, for the time being, there's any county that's going to just open the gates and let anybody come in. As it is, athletic directors are recommended and schools are recommended to only sell 
tickets in advance and not have tickets for sale at the gate because of this. If you're yellow, it's the same thing. Athletic and extracurricular activities can go on with limited ticketing. If you're orange, those are limited to controlled practices and activities only. I would take that to mean nobody's allowed inside. If you're red, then all things are suspended until a yellow level is maintained on a seven-day rolling basis. Right now, as we start practices, Logan County is in the red category with no extracurricular activities. All fall sports student-athletes must compete in a minimum of 14 practices prior to the start of the season. And because of that, football season openers on September 4th for Logan, which would be at Sissonville. For Man, a home against Mountain View and Chapmanville versus Polka are in some doubt. Grant and Mingo counties are right now in the orange category where they can have practices but no competitions. You don't want to be red. Orange is something you're looking to stay out of. Green and yellow mean you can have sports and have some people there. We'll get back to the scheduling on this in a minute because we have, there is some news in Logan County's category that relates to a local team. But I want to get back to a guy that I don't credit enough on this show and I don't give the recognition that he probably deserves, and that's Bernie Dolan, the executive director of the WVSSAC. He had a tremendous week last week, in my opinion, as far as stepping up to the plate and saying the things that need said, showing the leadership. This is a quote that Bernie Dolan delivered that I've seen spread all around social media. I believe he said this earlier in the week. It would not be the first time we'd hear from Bernie Dolan in a week. This is an address he gave to the Board of Education. He spoke before the Board of Education either Wednesday or Thursday of last week. And he said, and I quote, There is always risk of participation in any activity, but there is clear risk of no participation. And I understand that we're in a pandemic. I understand that there's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to health right now. West Virginia has done, for the most part, a pretty good job of managing this virus and managing the spread and slowing the spread of the virus. It's been painful for some. There have been a lot of people that have canceled vacations, a lot of people that can't go to nursing homes. There have been others that have just kind of gone willy-nilly and gone about their business and either got lucky or didn't get lucky as far as catching COVID or spreading COVID. But for the most part, the numbers in West Virginia are a lot lower than a lot of other places. There are places in this country where they're looking at West Virginia like, how can they even think about playing high school football right now? But West Virginia's numbers are not what they would be in large metro areas because we just don't have larger metro areas. But looking at that quote from Bernie Dolan, he sums it up about as best as you can. Anytime you play any activity, there's a risk of something bad happening. And and we all know that. That's the, the unfortunate truth that we all accept with high school activities. You don't want to see it happen, uh, whether you're a participant, whether you're are a parent, whether you're a media member. We all hope and, and many of us pray for the safety of these participants, the student athletes, the bands, the cheerleaders, anybody that's involved in these activities. We all hope and pray that they stay safe, and there's always risk that that's not going to happen. But there is clear risk of no participation. That's the kicker there. If you put all of these student-athletes out there with nothing to do with their time, what happens to some of them? Sure, there'll be many of them that focus on their school, focus on their studies, and find other ways to be productive. Maybe they'll get jobs. Maybe they'll continue weightlifting for other sports in the event that winter and spring sports would happen. But if you don't offer these sports, or at least do your best to offer them, then there are a lot of people, and it differs by sport. Your football players are the ones that if they didn't have that structure a lot of times, they would kind of be lost souls wandering about the hallways. You know, they wouldn't 
have the motivation necessarily in some cases to succeed in school. You see that with the wrestlers a lot. You hear a, a lot of stories about wrestlers. Gee, he's been a really nice part of your team. Well, you know, if it wasn't for us, you know, he probably wouldn't do well. You hear that a lot from coaches in wrestling, in, in high school football. I know there are some states where it does not make sense to play high school sports right now. And that's the unfortunate truth of it. There are a lot of states that mix urban and rural and to go across the board, which you'd have to do in that situation. You can't just tell your city schools in a place like Ohio or Virginia or Maryland, for instance. You can't just tell the city schools, well, you can't play, but you can in the countries. That would be a little difficult. And especially in a place like West Virginia, where relatively speaking, all things are fairly rural. But if you at all can possibly give these young men and women a season, and right now, I think we're in a place where we can responsibly at least try it. It might not work. We don't know how long this season will last. We might not get to the season. And it might not be football. It might be something that happens in volleyball, an outbreak in soccer. It's hard to tell. Or even a county or multiple counties. Maybe there are some counties that don't abide by the way that they should let people into games. And they go for that dollar. And they go for that gate. And maybe we get a community spread late September that shuts the whole thing down. I don't know. But I think with where we are right now in West Virginia, I think it's irresponsible to not try. Because, as Bernie said, there is clear risk of no participation. You don't know what's going to happen if you participate, but you know what's going to happen if you don't have that participation. You're going to lose maybe a generation or at least that group of high school students. And some of them may never come back to a sport again if they still have eligibility remaining. Some of them may not have the structure they need to go on to be productive citizens and parents and adults and employees and workers in society. So it's a big thing. There are some that will get offered scholarships because of high school sports. There are some that the morale boost that it would give them versus what it would take away from them to not have those sports. That's, in some cases, a deciding factor on how they become as adults or how the early years of their adulthood starts. We forget just how perilous things are sometimes for this 14 to 18 year old age group. There's a lot of things that could happen in that span of time that shape a young person's future. And these parents and these coaches have gotten them so far and they're right there on the precipice of adulthood. Sometimes that high school sports participation, the high school activity participation is what keeps a young person out of trouble and it keeps them on the right path and it keeps them motivated towards something and it teaches them the life lessons. So I thought Bernie hit an absolute home run with that line. I thought it was terrific. He delivered that to the Board of education earlier this week. And then Friday, he appeared with Governor Justice during Governor Justice's briefing and was well-spoken during that as well. I can't imagine, and I've thought of Bernie Dolan a lot during this, I can't imagine how awful of a summer that had to have been out there on Route 47. I can't imagine how lonely of a feeling that would be. You show up to work knowing that people are relying on you to make what could be a tough decision in the fall, knowing you've already made a decision in the spring that you didn't want to have to make to cancel spring sports, and that you could very well be in the same position in the fall. Only in the fall different. It's football. And if you have to be the guy that cancels high school football in West Virginia, that's tough. That's tough from what football means to not only the programs and the student athletes, but these towns as well. That's why he's paid to be that person. He's paid to be that stand-up person and have to say the difficult things on camera and have to do the difficult things and make the difficult decisions. I thought he made it through last week with flying colors and had about as good of a week as you could have expected someone in his position to have. So the metrics are out there. We will see what happens and we'll hope for the best. 
A big story that happened last week. Ritchie County's Trey Moss has transferred to St. Mary's. Moss was a second-team All-State running back last year, racked up over 1,600 yards, 18 touchdowns on the ground for the Rebels, is now a St. Mary's Blue Devil. I found out about this on Wednesday. I had talked to Dave St. Peter, a co-worker of ours. He does the St. Mary's games on White Rock 93R. And he said that Trey Moss had transferred from Ritchie County. I think I got distracted, got busy, didn't get a chance to follow up with him to ask the obvious follow-up was where did he go. And so that's Wednesday night. Overnight, Thursday into Friday, I, I got a message from Taryn Malone of Metro News. Taryn said that he transferred from Ritchie County to St. Mary's and had some first-hand information there. So I heard that from Taryn. I went back to Dave because he and I were both on an event Friday called A Win is a Win is a Win Night at St. Mary's High School. It was a conditioning and fundraising event for St. Mary's football. And Light Rock 93, our broadcast from that event, and I was on that broadcast. So I talked to Dave, told Dave what I learned from Taryn. And Dave, who has had Trey in class, because Dave is a substitute teacher as well, he's able to identify Trey. And so made a positive identification, asked around, we confirmed that was who it was, and then we broke the news on Light Rock 93R. It was Dave that actually broke the news that Trey had transferred to St. Mary's from Ritchie County. What I learned is that it happened Wednesday. He enrolled in classes Wednesday in Pleasance County. So as of Wednesday of last week, Trey Moss was a student in Pleasance County Schools. That's August 12th, last Wednesday. Metro News has a story that came out August 4th, okay, the Tuesday before, eight days prior to Trey Moss enrolling in St. Mary's, talking about Rick Haught in his third year and how the 10 wins that Ritchie County had last year was the most in school history. Talked to players. It was a preview of their season with Coach Haught. There's a video piece as well. And Trey Moss is credited in there. Coach Haught is even talking about how they want to put him in a couple different positions to try to utilize some of his abilities. He didn't quite say what it was that they were going to do with him, but they said they wanted to use him in a couple different positions to try to utilize his abilities. So he was very much a part of Ritchie County's plans as of August 4th, August 12th. He's in Pleasance County Schools. Those are the facts, and that is how we came to report it on Light Rock 93R, and those are the people involved in reporting that. I don't think it's a matter of St. Mary's looking to tamper with Ritchie County. I don't think it's St. Mary's recruiting or anything like that. There are some places on Route 16 where you can be in Pleasance County and probably be closer to Ritchie County High School than St. Mary's, or some places uh, at the lower end of Pleasance County where you can be closer to Williamstown High School than St. Mary's High School. Uh, it's just one of those things where he wasn't really shopping around for a team. Moth was not much of a factor in their playoff game against Wheeling Central. I looked it up and I couldn't find the numbers from the quarterfinal between Ritchie County and Wheeling Central, but I want to say Moss had fewer than 10 carries and fewer than 50 yards on the ground. Maybe not to the extent in the game plan that Moss and or his family would have hoped. I don't know if that started a rift that continued and boiled over in the subsequent early weeks of this month, but either way, as of a piece published on August 4th, he was a big part of their 2020 plans, and then a little more than a week later, he was a St. Mary's Blue Devil. And he enrolled in school Wednesday, participated in Friday's activity. I witnessed it with my own eyes. I was there. I covered the event. He was there. That part has happened. There will be speculation as to how it happened, why it happened, and that's not for me to say. Beyond what I've thrown out there as a possibility... It will be a damaging blow to Ritchie County because they lose a senior leader less than three weeks before their opener to go to a rival school. That doesn't happen every day. So something happened. And again, I'm not looking to assign fault or causation or anything like that. We're talking about a young man and his family and a football program. And there are some things that maybe the public doesn't need to know about all of that. 
but it is clear something happened that made that happen. Ritchie County will be a playoff team, I think. There are enough talented players without Moss that should be able to rally together and put a playoff team on the field. Like I said, it'll be a a huge hurdle to overcome, especially early on, as they deal with the emotional and the mental side of losing a guy that you expected to be a key cog in this year's team. And these two schools meet in Week 3, by the way. So September 18th, Ritchie County and St. Mary's will play on the football field about a month from now, health willing, we'll see what happens. For St. Mary's, it takes a team that already had a lot of talent, including a returning quarterback in Brendan Boron, and gives him a big speed option in the backfield. St. Mary's did not lack backfield talent and depth, but this gives them a home run hitter in that backfield. So you have to say for Trey Moss to come to St. Mary's, they're going to be a playoff team this year if they stay healthy enough. They're on track to be a playoff team, but with Moss, this is a team that could make a deep run. We're talking semifinals of Super 6 because of the speed and the explosiveness that he provides to a team that just didn't have it. He has the big potential to be a missing ingredient, last ingredient type for St. Mary's. But either way, that's what happened, how it transpired from my perspective, and how it will affect both teams. It'll be an interesting storyline to see this year, and one that broke pretty late in the game. We'll see how it affects both teams and how it affects the landscape in this area. A couple schedule changes to get back to what we were talking about earlier, the metrics and who can play and when. St. Mary's will not play Belpre September 4th as previously scheduled. They will now open with Sissonville. We mentioned Sissonville was going to be the opponent for Logan, but Logan is not going to be able to play that game or at least commit to that game. So as of last night, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, as of Tuesday night, St. Mary's and Sissonville now committed for that week one matchup. There had been talks that St. Mary's might play Wheeling Central. They are going to play Polka instead in week one. And Polka was another school impacted indirectly by the situation in Logan County. There have been talks that St. Mary's and Wheeling Central would play. And I really kind of wanted to see that matchup happen, to be quite honest, because I really thought that would have been a big opportunity for the St. Mary's football program. No disrespect to Sissonville, but these are potentially two of the better Class A teams this year in Wheeling Central, the defending state champion who lost a lot to graduation, and they would be coming to St. Mary's, according to Moat. So, if you're St. Mary's, you could get Wheeling Central at maybe one of their more vulnerable times of the year and pull off a win that could be historic Doric in your high school football program. And you've got a guy in Moss in the backfield that would love another crack at Wheeling Central. And let's be honest, you hope he gets one maybe in the postseason, but the pandemic may not allow that. So that could be a really, really delicious week one matchup. I think if Metro News sees a Wheeling Central St. Mary's matchup in week one, that might be a game that they would want to pick up and stream. And that would be good exposure for both of those programs. But either way, St. Mary's Wheeling Central is not going to happen. St. Mary's will have Sissonville, which will be an opportunity for St. Mary's to go play a team they don't often play. That's double-A bonus points potentially for St. Mary's in Sissonville. So for the Blue Devils, they will hope to get their season started on the right path. That's a home game, by the way. I'm not sure if I mentioned that. 7.30 Friday, September 4th at Bill Hanlon Stadium. St. Mary's will welcome Sissonville. Tyler Consolidated has filled their hole on their schedule October 2nd. They'll host Tulsa. It's a good thing that they finally got somebody because they were running out of potential dance partners. A couple of good ones taken off the table already on that October 2nd bye date for Tyler Consolidated. The real shame in it is that Tyler lost that matchup with Ritchie County that was scheduled for week one. It would have been a big gate for Tyler Consolidated. That's a rivalry that is close in proximity. A lot of talent poised to be on the field, and I believe that was set to be the first game on the brand new turf at Tyler Consolidated. But now that game's off the table, and it'll be somebody else that breaks in that new turf out in Kidwell, and Tulsa will come to town instead October 2nd. 
October 9th, Magnolia has a new opponent. They'll face Union Local. Union Local has opted out of the Ohio playoffs. Again, in Ohio, you have to declare if you want to be in the playoffs. You play six games, and then you can play a playoff game. Then if there's time afterwards, you can play up to 10 regular season games, uh, or you can just play your 10 regular season games, and that be that. So Union Local's opted out of the playoffs, and they'll play Magnolia on October 9th. And I missed one from last week. Payton City will host St. John's Catholic Maryland on October 23rd. Uh, we've already reported that Payton City will now face Racine Southern, the host Racine Southern, on October 16th, and now they'll welcome St. John's Maryland the following week on October 23rd. So we had the Racine Southern one a couple weeks ago. I missed the St. John's Catholic edition last week, so I wanted to go back and get that one. So the schedule continues to change, and I'll have the latest for you here, so stick with us for all of that here over the next few weeks. Let's take a look at last week's poll question, and to be honest, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. We asked you last week, do you expect to see protests or protest statements or extra signs of team unity in light of current world issues, such as those seen in professional sports, to take place in high school sports this season or when high school sports next happen? Things like statements on warm-up t-shirts, clothing, shoes, kneeling during the National Anthem, linking arms or shoulders during the National Anthem, things like that. Uh, There have been some teams that have linked arms with one another. You see that in baseball during the National Anthem now. The Indians did that earlier this season. They also made a statement against the team's nickname by playing their home opener with the Cleveland across the chest, the blue alternates. They usually were on the road, but they said Cleveland on the chest instead of the team's nickname. They played their home opener in those. Of course, the NBA, the WNBA, has really taken Black Lives Matter to heart. You're seeing that imagery on the court, on the clothes, everywhere, and a lot of teams in baseball doing the same. We asked you that question. Eight people voted. It was not a very highly participated in poll, and I think most of that happened early in the week. And of the eight people, 75% said no, 25% said yes. There weren't any comments on that. I tend to lean on no just because of the fact that high school students are concerned with other things. They see world issues happening, and every once in a while they feel compelled to participate in that. But they look at the world in a different scope. They look at the world, and and the things that are important to high school students are things that are important in their lives and in their friends' lives and what's going on in the hallways of the school. They don't always look at world events as things that influence what they do or their moods, their activities, their behaviors, or their actions. So I don't know that you would see people really compelled to put together any protest statement. I wanted to throw it out there just to see what people said about it, though. High school students, like I said, are concerned with other things. They don't want to rock the boat. And a lot of times they still have their parents' politics, which may or may not be protest-minded. And I think they would lean more toward not being protest-minded in this case. But I really wanted to bring this up so I could say one thing. If you see a young man or woman in a high school sport this year going to protest, remember, they are high school students. They might not have attitudes and beliefs that are fully developed yet. They don't need your criticism for expressing those beliefs. They're in a delicate spot of life where some of them, they're 18, some of them, they're 14 years old. I'm not saying that they can't think independently and they can't think for themselves, but I'm saying that they're to the age where they might not have thought out all of the aspects behind a protest. And if they have, and if they're willing to take a stand, then they should be applauded for at least being willing to use their voice. But remember, these are minors, and whether you agree or disagree with their sentiments, at least respect the fact that they felt comfortable and confident enough to make those statements for what they are. It's a weird place where you might not agree with what they have to say, but at least respect the fact that they were courageous enough to take a stand and say that thing. But again, 75% of you said no, you didn't think protests statements or unity signs would be a thing this year. 25% of you said yes. Wanted to throw that out there to see what you think. We'll have another poll question here later in the program. 
Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, answer our weekly poll question and feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. We're joined now by Ritchie County Head Coach Rick Hott. Coach, how are you today? Good. Good to finally get back started. We're glad uh, we're trying to, the state has chosen to try to kind of See if we can make this a go this fall. I know you're an active guy between the coaching and between all the things that you do as a person and as a coach and, and a professional. How have you managed to stay busy since COVID shut things down in March? I tell you, I kind of think I'm kind of a, I'm not a guy that goes around a lot of crowds anyhow. We live in a rural area, and so I don't know that I feel like my life's a lot different. I mean, we got some property in the really rural part of the county you can go off to and not see anybody on a farm and just here at the house but it does seem like we've been sequestered since march and you know you're always careful about when you do step outside and go someplace you're kind of careful the situation you're in but other than that you try to live as normal life as you can you're a social distancing champion as it was but was just managing to stay busy and and all that without the coaching without being around the kids that's been a little bit tough i mean even negotiating through this summer our kids have done a good job, probably because they're ready to get back around one another. There just always seems to me there's like that, that cloud that's overhanging you. No one's really sure what the future's going to bring. And you had an athletic program in general at Ritchie County that was really pumped to play spring sports, I know, and probably is just as excited to get back after this fall, especially since the spring didn't happen. With 10 wins last season and all the excitement around Ritchie County football, did you notice a spike in participation after all that success? I do know in the spring I had over 40 people out for track and never had 40 people. Yeah. And so that was the most, and I think there are other spring sports too. I think all the spring sports had good numbers, and, and as you were saying, I think all of our programs was really looking forward to that spring. But I do think that you get groups of kids coming through that like to participate. I think that's what we're going through right now, and so we do have great participation. Well, that's good to hear, and I know that a guy you're going to be looking to a lot this year is your sophomore quarterback, Ethan Hott. How has he progressed and developed since last season? Since we practiced this morning, what I've really noticed about him is his handle on the offense, where a year ago, I mean, he was just trying to make sure himself was lined up right and doing what he needed to do, but what I've already seen out of him this morning is more of a control over the offense, where we call a play, we're up there, the game slowed down to him to the point to where not only can he make sure other people are lined up where they're supposed to be, but, you know, like new kids are supposed to be in motion, he's being able to help with that. And so he has a much firmer grasp of our offense and what we're trying to do this year compared to what he was a year ago, which is natural, I think. Yeah, that's definitely going to happen when you grow from that freshman year to the sophomore year. And he's not alone. He's got some returning talent coming back with him. Yes, of course, I, I, I think... I look for um, Gus Morrison to have an excellent year. He's going to be important to us. And what I found out is is we've had some sophomores turn juniors. Uh, we've got a pretty big junior class, and there seems to be a little bit of extra step in with them right now because I think they see the possibility, hey, if I work hard, I'm going to get on the field. And so i got a nice group of juniors that are working really hard to step up at this point. You've had a lot of success coaching track as well as football, too. When you have one large group like that, do you think that they tend to push one another? Has that been something that in your past experiences has been a benefit for you and your programs? I think so. It seems like your larger group of kids usually are a closer-knit group, and, and they kind of do encourage each other, push each other. And, and you know, I always did think kids pull kids. I think that is true. 
it's known at this point that Trey Moss is not going to come back for you this year. How does that change your linebacking core and your backfield? And is it more difficult to lose him this late than it would have been maybe earlier in the summer? No, I don't. I don't think that it matters when you know he made the choice to leave for us because we're in year three and we try to spend an awful lot of time with repping kids that may not be starters and maybe a year or two away from starting. So I think we're further ahead at this point this year than we ever have been. We're at the point now where, yeah, we've got to make some changes of maybe what we thought we were going to do, but we've got options, and, and we'll put kids in a little bit different positions, some of them. But because I think we've repped offense stuff so much in the past, we're going to be okay. Maybe digging into that junior class. You're right. Junior and sophomore class. Yeah, it's a good core, and again, 10 wins for the Rebels last year. What needs to happen for the Rebels to take the next step this year? You made it to the quarterfinals last year. Unfortunately, lost to Wheeling Central, but to get beyond that, what has to come together? As I do this year in and year out, I think some of it, we've just got to be lucky. And the way I mean that is every single way school in the state can't afford to lose a kid or two. Right. And so we have to stay healthy. And if we can stay healthy, then you have a chance to go a little bit further because if you'll remember last year about game seven Gus went down and Garrett Owens went down and they had to set out almost the rest of the season before we got him back on the playoffs but you know there were there was some continuity lost there and even though we made a strong showing in the playoffs I think if we could have stayed healthy we'd have been a much more dangerous team in the playoffs so I think it's just the luck of whether or not you can keep your kids on the field. Is there a unit or position group for you that's poised to step up and and maybe surprise some people this year? Yeah, that's a good question. I tell you what I'm really looking forward to is we're replacing two or three guys in the line of scrimmage, but I really like the work that our offensive linemen are putting in. We've got two starters back in um, Eddie McComas uh, at a guard and Dakota Wayne at a tight end, and I'm really pleased with with where they're at and, and really like where Dakota Wayne's at because I think he's got the, the injury he started with last year put behind him, and we're really looking to see what he can add to, I suppose, offensive, defensively. But we got some younger linemen who have decent size and have looked to have, at this point, really good feet. I'm kind of looking for that to be the surprise group that people see is that how I, I'm hoping and thinking that they'll be very effective in the work that they do up front. I know people don't always look at a returning line core that has two coming back, and they, they look at that as the most optimistic thing. But why is it that that group gives you promise? Is, is it just how hard they work? They are working really hard. They are a very bright group. They're picking up on things very quick, and uh, they've got really good feet. And so they're moving really well. And so, you know, for the next step for them is we actually put pads on. We'll see if they can move anybody. But right now, I'm really high on on what we're doing up front. So I think as a coach, any new year, you're always excited with the group of kids that you have and excited to see what you can do with them, see what talents that they have and plug them in at the right spot. And so that's kind of where we're at. I mean, our offensive line is not a strength as of yet, but I think they can be the group that says, hey, boy, they really did a nice job reloading that line of scrimmage. I have a sneaking suspicion I know the answer to this question based on what you were telling me about, you know, going out on the, the, the property in the rural area. But I've asked every other coach I've had on the podcast this year, and I'll ask you, while things were shut down with COVID, was there a show that you streamed or binge-watched or hmm. something you got into that you never found before that you found really interesting? No, not, no. I, I don't binge-watch. i tell you what I think I ended up doing is I've become a... Um, YouTube guy. There you go. So 
so I, I find myself on YouTube all the time because, you know, it can take you anywhere your, your imagination wants to go. Yeah. Anything you fall into that's particularly good? Oh, I've gotten into some outdoor stuff, and, and, and like I say, there's tons of coaching stuff on there that pick little clips from, which is, it can be a big help. So just a wide variety of areas. I think anybody in any walk of life could have been able to find any career development materials out there during this. I really do think that. I really think there was opportunity for us all to get better. Some people did. Some people didn't. You know, sometimes it was survival. But like I said, I didn't see you. I didn't have you pegged as a big Netflix guy. But I thought I'd ask the question, especially especially after you talked about going out, you know, into the in the rural parts. I'm thinking, oh, this guy's on a yeah. four-wheeler and he's out, you know. Yeah. Who knows? Where, where, where there probably is a cell phone signal as long as he can get No, there. you're right. <laughs> yeah. I was out. I was out of contact, and you know, sometimes uh, you get out like that. It just feels like you leave the world and the problems behind, and where you're not hit with it all the time, like watching the news and things like that. Yeah. Well, like I said, always had to throw the question out there for you and see if you could inspire Rebel fans to take on a series they never would have. Because I know they're they're rabid Ritchie County fans that will watch what the coach watches if if they get that recommendation. But uh, oh yeah. yeah. Right now, yeah, maybe. right now, the recommendations for that offense and for the Rebels looking to go from 10 wins to uh, see where they can go this season, go beyond that. Coach Rick Hott of the Ritchie County Rebels, thank you for joining us today. Pleasure to speak with you. We hope to do it again before the season starts. All right, look forward to it. That's Ritchie County head coach Rick Hott. I really like the confidence that he had in that line. He talked about the inexperience they had, but he talked also about the ceiling they had. And sometimes we forget to look at that in groups, in players. They might not have the most skill or talent. They might not be at the level where you expect them to be or hope for them to eventually be. But sometimes you can look at a group or look at a player and realize they have a high ceiling and hope for the best based on that alone. also want to tell you about a couple other things we got coming up. The Facebook Live preseason preview series that we've had on Seven Ranges Radio starts this week. It actually starts today if you're listening to this in real time on Wednesday. We'll have Facebook interviews on our Light Rock 93 our Facebook page with 11 area coaches. You can also find those interviews on some of our other stations as well. For instance, the Parkersburg Wood County ones will also go on V96.9. The Tyler County and, and, and Up the River ones will go on WXCR's Facebook page as well. But you can find all 11 on the Light Rock 93R Facebook page. That's our preseason preview series. We've done that for the last few years now. Interviews with head coaches of 11 different teams. That starts this week and run through the rest of the week. i got a lot of stops to make for the rest of this week. I'm going to be on the run really for the rest of the week. And, and you can find those interviews on our Facebook page. And we'll have some of the snippets from those and some of the highlights on next week's program. Also, Countdown to Kickoff will air a preseason preview special on the stations of Seven Ranges Radio Friday, August 28th in the slot of what would have been the regularly scheduled season opener. That airs on Light Rock 93R, V96.9 and WXCR 92.3 FM up the river in the New Martinsville market. But again, that's the countdown to kickoff preseason preview special. We'll have interviews and discussion with our analysts. You'll hear from some of the head coaches from the area teams. We'll take a look at the season at large as the 2020 season is finally upon us. So I want you to check out those two things. The Facebook Live preseason preview series, a series of videos on the Light Rock 93R Facebook page, and that countdown to kickoff preseason preview special, 7 to 9.30 p.m. Friday, August 28th on Light Rock 93R, V96.9, and WXCR. Let's take a look at this week's poll question. 
and we asked you if fans are allowed at high school games this season and you usually attended games in the past, would you feel comfortable attending this year? And I asked it that way because I know there's a lot of people who might look at that and just say yes or no, and they're the type of people that aren't going to go to games anyway. Uh, we want you to answer this qu- I mean, we invite anybody to answer this question, but we really especially ask those who do attend games because their opinions are the ones on this issue that are really going to be most relevant to the discussion. But if you have attended games in the past, and if fans are allowed at those games this season without restrictions, without being a family member of a player, band member, cheerleader, or anything like that, if fans are allowed at high school games and you usually attend to those games in the past, would you feel comfortable attending this year? And that's definitely related to COVID. That's on our Facebook page. Like us on Facebook if you haven't already done so at the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Vote in that poll and make comments if you feel necessary and if you feel appropriate. And we'll add those to the show next week. We'll have that as part of the discussion. Either way, one thing I want to finish on, there is no bigger opportunity for the high school football fan, for the high school sports fan, to be a part of your team and be a supporter of your team this year than in any other year. Because most years you can be a booster. You can you can be a supporter by buying a ticket to those games, maybe buying some merchandise, buying some clothing from the players that are selling them as a fundraiser or out in the community wherever and supporting your team, hanging yard signs and things like that, decorating your car. You can show your support that way. Going to games, maybe even being a booster and volunteering, giving your time and, and, and maybe making a further financial commitment to those programs. But if you're a fan of your team, every single day, every decision you make can help you get your team on the field by doing your best to socially distance, to wear masks, to wash hands, to avoid situations where you're going to be around a lot of people. That helps slow the spread of COVID-19 and keeps the numbers down in your area. And by doing so, you can have a first-hand role in making sure your team gets a season, much less has a successful season. But you can do that. And it's interesting to hear high school coaches and players talk about this because there really is a groundswell of momentum at that level that you can get involved and play as big of a role as maybe you've ever played before in making sure your team takes the field based on the COVID-19 metric that's been put forth by the State Board of Education. And that's the numbers. They have to stay at a certain level, certain ratio of cases in your county. If your county is a hotspot, you're not going to get to have activities and in-person school and, and extracurriculars. But if those numbers stay down in the county and everyone has a part in making sure that happens and those activities can take place. So you've never had a greater chance to be connected to the high school program of your choice. You can download us each week. The show drops every Wednesday on SoundCloud and through Apple Podcasts. We thank you for the download, the subscribe, the listen. And we ask you to continue to do so and follow us each week. Again, a lot more in the preseason previous series next week. Stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening this week. I'm your host, Eric Little, and we'll talk to you again next week on another edition of the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and vote in our weekly poll. Come back next week for another new episode, and thanks for listening.